Hello, and welcome to the State of Shakespeare. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And today on the program, we have with us Ralph Jean-Pierre. Welcome, Ralph. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys having me uh, on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Ralph is a Shakespearean actor, singer, songwriter, and rapper working and living in his native Brooklyn. And he has started a very interesting project. We just had to call and find out what's going on with a 4,000-mile, one-man Shakespeare performance. Right, right. Yeah, uh, so what's going on with it? You're on a bike, and are you just biking all over the United States and performing Shakespeare? This happened three years ago. Three years ago, I spent about eight months on a bicycle riding around the United States performing one-man Shakespeare on the streets. Wow. So you spent a year traveling all across the country on your bicycle, doing Shakespeare on the street, from town to right. town. Right. <laughs> that sounds like an incredible adventure. It was pretty intense and harrowing and uh, transformative and uh, fun and grueling. It was, it was a lot of things. So what did you do? Did you, put out a, did you just put out a hat on the street corner? Yeah, a hat inside of my helmet, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. Uh, I raised some money before I left, and then I... Um, I uh, bought a touring bicycle and some gear and then took off and then just, yeah, made money on the street the rest of the way. And pe- or people would donate to me via my PayPal. Oh, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Stretching $5,000 to buy a bicycle and spend a year touring the country is amazing. Yeah, especially right now I'm writing a, well, me and my collaborator, Joey Tong, who directed all those original scenes of writing a main show about it. So we're spending a lot of time thinking about it and talking about everything that happened. And I'm off and I'm like, how did this happen? Like, when I think back about it, it's such a stupid idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and in some ways, it turned out better than you anticipated. So what did it teach you, uh, doing Shakespeare uh, in front of strangers, passers-by? Well, it taught me a lot of things. The big impetus for this trip, at least one of them, was that uh, I have a lot of ideals as a person, and I wanted to believe that they were true. So that was one of the things, like, one of my big mentors, I never met him, but uh, spiritual mentors is Joe Papp. And um, he just believed all these things about theater and especially about Shakespeare and just about making art. And so me getting on this bike and making it through that tool and actually being, actually being able to perform for people was a way of testing those things and then affirm them for myself. So what was, one of the, what was one of the ideas that you got from Joe Papp that you were able to affirm? Well, I only really learned about him because I read this great book, I think, by Kenneth Tynan called Free For All, which is a book about Joe Papp and, and the New York Shakespeare Festival and the public theater. And I love that book. And one of the things in the book is that there's a picture you'll see there, and it's just a picture you just see a sea of, like, black faces. You know, they're in an audience of some sort, and they're just looking down and all smiling and laughing, you know, but they're all just watching a Shakespeare production, like, loving it. And so that drove the point home to me that, um, Shakespeare, especially American Shakespeare, at its best, is very populist and is very human. And if it's done well in a visceral, dynamic, energetic manner, that anybody can not only be into it, but be really thrilled by it. And so that's what I found, you know, performing for homeless dudes on the street or for a bunch of ladies who are closing a burger joint that they run in New Mexico or some kids in a park or a couple of kids I meet on Venice Beach who are just hanging out smoking pot or, you know, a couple of guys who work in an automotive garage in, in Texas. I just found that, like, anybody could get this stuff if you present it in a way. Like, this is just a simple story about some people going through some intense stuff. At least for the little five minutes that my scene would take would be like, oh, that was pretty cool. I, I could follow that. I 
I think that's fascinating. When I think of people who perform in the streets, I think of someone who sets up a space and performs. But it sounds to me like you were roving about a city and meeting small groups of people and just sort of launching into Shakespeare. Is that correct? Most of the time, I really try to do my best to create a space. But ideally, what would happen is I'd ride up to a group of people who seemed like they weren't going anywhere for a few minutes. I'd roll up, literally just grab my bike and say, do you want to see some Shakespeare and just start? Oh, that's fantastic. So kind of like a flash mob of one person. Yeah, but like the best sort where it's like intelligible, where even though it's happening quickly and it's a complete surprise, you can understand what's happening. You're not just confounded. You're like, oh, this is a story about, you know what I mean? Right. You were brought into a world and you can understand what's happening in that moment, even though this is like kind of shocking off. Sometimes we're also like, hey, I'm gonna, I got a few minutes. Do you want to see this real fast? I imagine if you're traveling around and you're actually approaching people and offering to do Shakespeare from for them, sometimes you might get uh, refused. <laughs> Can you describe one of those situations? Yeah, one of the worst was uh, I was in Phoenix with my friend Kenny. I was staying with him, and uh, I was like, where can we go around here you know, to perform? And I wanted to go to some places where I'd be kind of transgressing, like places where Shakespeare doesn't really belong. So he's like, well, there's some really nice golf courses around here. So he took me to some golf courses, and I remember just, like, running to people in golf carts and just, like, stopping them and, like, hey, you guys want to see five minutes of Shakespeare? And there's, there's like, these guys in, like, golf get-ups, and they're like, no, no, we're in a, we're in a, we're doing a tournament right now. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, we love to see it. we got to move on, uh, you know. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like, this is you're going to be able to talk about this for the rest of the week. You know what I mean? Like, you'll never forget this. Like, give me three minutes to do this whole thing for you. Like, oh, we got to move on. we got to play through. Uh-huh. You know? I felt really disappointing to me because, like, I got it that they were playing in a tournament, but it's sort of like, this is weird and we're probably breaking some sort of rules. And, like, that was a big part of the trip, too, is, like, I purposely would go places where I wasn't really supposed to be. That's so deliciously subversive. I love the idea of accosting foursomes on the golf field. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go into any uh, any other places where they're not accustomed uh, to getting? Let me try to think. I know what I would teach out of Carnegie Mellon. I went into the theater department building and I performed the scene there and just when I was done a professor came and kicked me out, which I thought was really lame. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think that's so, like, you're training theater artists who are, you're training them essentially to be subversive. Like, isn't that what artists are supposed to be? After doing this for a year, you must have developed a pretty solid shtick. What did audiences seem to respond to? I think I'm really a bad person to ask about how people responded to it. Because whenever I performed, no matter how gracious people were or had been to me, I always had the thought in my head, like, oh, they're bored. These people are bored to tears which I wanted to do anyway, but I would kind of move faster than I wanted to all the time. And so I was kind of like, let me just like try to commit to this, but get through it and get out of here because I had these people just bored. You know what I mean? Which I think is something that performers go through, but I, I don't have a good gauge of that. I would often ask people if they could follow the story and they would repeat back to me what they saw and they like, oh, this part was cool and I relate to this audience or this character. Is there some material you'd like to share with our podcast audience? Yeah, I have a monologue from one of the scenes I do. The theme of this entire project, I traveled the country in a character that I call the Spear Bearer. The Spear Bearer? Yes. Yeah. And the show you're writing now that's a documentary of your experience is called what? All the stuff that we're making about the tour, like the one-man show that I'm writing and the album that I'm writing and recording. 
is all called What to Be a Fear. And where does that come from? Uh, it's a line from Hamlet, you know, where he perceives the ghost and he wants to go and talk to the ghost. And I think Horatio's like, oh, don't do it. You don't know what that thing is. And Hamlet says, What should be a fear? The theme of the entire project, the tour, and all the scenes that we chose was fear. Uh, what are you going to share with our listeners? My favorite model, I think, to do out of all the pieces I did, I had 17 that I did. I really love this uh, Friar Lawrence monologue from uh, from Juliet and Act 3, Scene 3. The one that starts with Hold Thy Desperate Hands. Right. What drew you to this monologue? That one just always seemed to come out the easiest for me. And I love the character of the Friar. In that entire play, I don't think I really relate to any of the characters. And some of them are fun. Like, I think the nurse is really fun, too. I played her in the scene. But I don't really relate to Romeo or Mephisto or Tybalt. So I think that's what it was. So I just really love that character. And so that monologue, I just love doing that monologue. Well, why don't we hear it? Okay. I guess in, to set it up a little bit, the father just told Romeo that um, because he's killed Tybalt, you know, the prince of uh, Verona is not going to put him to death like he should, but he's going to banish him forever. So Romeo's like freaking out about this because he's just gotten married to the love of his life, but now he can't be with her because he's not allowed to live in the town anymore. So he's basically just like freaking out and he's pulled out a knife to try to hurt himself or maybe try to kill himself. He's just, you know, the fire is watching him and he's like, this is the fire's response to Romeo just being impulsive and crazy. This is great. This is Ralph Jean-Pierre performing Friar Lawrence from Romeo and Juliet, Act 3, Scene 3. Hold thy desperate hand. Art thou a man? Thy form cries out, thou art. Thy tears are womanish. Thy wild acts denote the unreasonable fury of a beast. An unseemly woman and a seeming man, an ill-beseeming beast and seeming both, thou hast amazed me. By my holy order, I thought thy disposition better tempered. Hast thou slain Tybalt, wilt thou slay thyself and slay thy lady that in thy life lies by doing damned hate upon thyself? Why railest thou in thy birth to heaven and earth, since birth and heaven and earth all three do meet in thee at once which thou at once would loose? Fie, fie, thou shamest thy shape, thy love, thy wit, which like a user abounds and all, and usest none in that true use indeed which should bedeck thy shape, thy love, thy wit. Thy noble shape is but form of wax, digressing from the valor of a man. Thy dear love sworn but hollow perjury, killing that love which I was vowed to cherish. Thy wit, that ornament to shape and love, misshapen in the conduct of them both, like powder in a skill a soldier's flask, is set fire by thine own ignorance, and thou dismembered with thine own defense. What roused thee, man, thy Juliet is alive, for whose dear sake thou wast but lately dead, there art thou happy. Tybalt would kill thee, but thou slewest Tybalt, there art thou happy. The law that threatened death became thy friend and turned it to exile. There art thou happy, a pack of blessing light upon thy back. Happiness courts thee in her best array, but like a misbehaved and sullen wench, thou poutst upon thy fortune and thy love. Take heed, take heed, for such die miserable. Go, get thee to thy love as was decreed. Ascend her chamber hence and comfort her. But look thou stay not to the watch be set, for then thou canst not pass to Mantua, where thou shalt live. Till we can find a time to blaze your marriage, reconcile your friends, beg pardon of thy prince, and call thee back with twenty hundred thousand times more joy than thou once forth in lamentation. Go before, nurse, commend me to thy lady, and bid her hasten all the house to bed, which heavy sorrow makes them apt unto. Romeo is coming. Thank you, Ralph. Boy, the pace that you are going at is just incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, deliberate. Because I've read somewhere, you know, in Shakespeare's actual time when they did it, they went fast. 
and they didn't really think about whether or not people could catch up because it was like, well, you could feel it. And over time, you're going to sort of start to get the rhythm. Right. Your ear will adjust. Yeah, I think so. I have a question about all the repetition that you're using in this speech. Seeming, seemingly, but seeming, and how you deal with repetition as a performer. For me, and most of the things that I do as a performer, I think a lot of it, I guess, is intuitive. And I'm a, I'm a rapper. And so for me, a lot of the things I just hear and feel rhythmically, you know, doing the monologue a bunch of times, you just start to feel where you need to stretch or where you need to take time or where, where there's a rhythm, where there's something that repeats that you should pay attention to, you know. Right, yes. Well, certainly, I mean, we've had a couple of rappers on, and as a rapper, you probably are very aware of the rhythms, and it seems that the rhythm breaks only once or twice in this monologue. Let's look at Go Before Nurse, Commend Me to Thy Lady. It's a little wonky in there, the rhythm. Right. Well, I mean, the father's gone through all this stuff. I mean, he's trying to calm himself and calm this suicidal kid, and then all of a sudden, he's got to, like, take charge and make a plan. You know, mm-hmm. so he's trying to compose himself. I'm preaching and I'm shouting a little bit. I mean, make a point quickly because there's only a few hours left. Yeah, I kind of just think that he was, okay, let me dial it back and try to breathe. And I'm talking to someone else now who I don't want to be shouting at and who needs me to be calm, you know, because the nurse is kind of excitable. <laughs> and, you know, so he wants to be like, okay, hey, go back to where you were and try to set the scene for Romeo to come over. The way I, I just take that as a cue to like kind of dial back from, Full board, he's doing that. Romeo and Romeo direction. Right. So, Ralph, where do you expect your travels to take you next? I'm really just here in New York, just working on writing a one man show with my collaborator, Joey Tong, about this trip and what it meant to me and what it did to me, why I went on it, and all that. Hopefully, we'll get it up and be able to put it up somewhere at the beginning of next year. And then I'm also, I just launched a Kickstarter campaign. Also, um, so I've been a rapper most of my life, longer than I've been an actor, and I wrote and composed a rap album that also chronicles my tour. I had always an interest in blues music and kind of roots rock and roll and folk music and country music that I could never really reconcile. But once I'm like riding across Texas and New Mexico and Michigan and Illinois, I sort of could start to see where I could use those influences to tell a story. So I kind of wrote and composed this album trying to construct these songs almost like a blues songs or country songs but they're rap songs about this tour and that album just like my one man show will be called what you see this so those are the two projects that i'm working on now well we'll be looking forward to hearing more from ralph jean pierre and what should be the fear in the future ralph thank you so much for joining us on the state of shakespeare thank you very much i'm garrett vandermeer and i'm jim elliott and thank you for listening to the state of shakespeare Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.